We would ask that you be much in prayer for us. We're going to be heading out to go see my dad and, and then on over to see Janine's mom. We, we won't be here this, this Sunday morning. Brother Dave Coot's going to be preaching for us. I appreciate uh, him. Uh, Lord worked that out. I, I didn't know whether they was going to be heading out to Pennsylvania or something. Got to talk to him and ask him. If, and uh, they may have, and I don't know if he's changed the plans to stay here long enough to preach for us Sunday morning, but I sure appreciate it. Look forward. Um, I know you look forward to hearing him. We praise the Lord for our missionaries uh, and the job that they do on the field. And, and uh, we just, uh, you know, it's just exciting to have uh, good missionaries around the world that uh, are getting the job done, getting the gospel out. And I appreciate the day coups and the work that they do there in the Fiji Islands. And uh, I think uh, uh, Wendy's maybe feeling a little under weather, but some vertigo or something like that. Remember her in prayer. We'll take some prayer requests after a while. Well, take your Bibles and, and turn to Revelation chapter 19. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read one verse from Zechariah. And uh, uh, Zechariah chapter 9 is where I'm going to read one verse. And then I'll go over to Revelation chapter 19. We're beginning a new series. Uh, and I had mentioned it before, the power in that name. I, I, I think I told him the wrong power in Jesus' name. But the, the power in that name, the name of Jesus. The, you, go out through, you go through the scripture. There are so many names. Uh, that you will find in Scripture that is referring to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and our Heavenly Father, we have taught before on the names of God, but uh, this is, we're, we're going to be preaching on the names of Jesus, really, on these Wednesday nights, but there's power in those names. Uh, we live in a day and time when names don't have the, uh, the meaning that they used to have. And now we've got in a time where people are just grabbing this and grabbing that and putting it together to make some type of unique name. And boy, I tell you what, I have run across some very unique names. But the fact is, is that um, used to people were named for a certain reason, maybe named after a relative or named because of, of an event or something of that nature. And names tell us a lot, not only names, but titles. Titles tell us a lot. Uh, I, I've, I've spoken of before how that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm known as pastor. That's a title. I'm known as father. That's a title. I'm known as, as uh, uh, Mr. Haggett. Uh, I'm known as a bus driver and, and different titles, you know, uh, that goes along with it. And, and so uh, Papa and, and Grandpa and, and those type of things, it tells you something about a person. It's no different, and God used, and throughout the Scripture, you find the names of God and the names of Jesus, and even the names of other people, they have a meaning to them. And we're going to be looking at that because I think it's very important. I think it helps us to understand the Lord, to know Him better, but it also teaches us something about Him that we can apply to our lives and cause us to begin to think about how that we should be living our lives. And so we're in, in Zechariah, I'm going to read in Zechariah chapter 9. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word tonight if you're able to. Uh, Zechariah chapter 9, I'm going to read there and then I'll, I'll go on over to Revelation 19 where you're at. But in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly. And riding upon an ass, and, a, and upon a colt, and the foal of an ass. We know from the New Testament that this is a, is a prophecy of Jesus Christ come riding in on the foal of, a, of an ass, on a, and He's the Savior. We know who He is, and so this is a prophecy. But notice what He calls Him. He says, Behold thy King. Behold thy King. 
Revelations chapter 19, let's begin looking at verse 14. It says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him, talking about Jesus here, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he, and he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I'd like to preach a message tonight I've titled King of kings. I'd like us to look at that title of king. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, we've got several people missing tonight for different reasons. Lord, some may be sick and different ones traveling and different things. Lord, I pray that you keep your hand on them, protect them. Lord, watch over them, meet the needs that they have, encourage and strengthen them. Thank you, Lord, for the dear folk that are here tonight. Bless them in a special way. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts. Use the Word of God to come alive. Lord, it's a living Word. It's not a dead document. It's a living Word, and it speaks to our hearts and Lord, there's life in the Word of God, and so, Lord, may it breathe life into us. And as we look at the names of Jesus, Lord, may they come alive unto us. May they speak to our hearts concerning our life and in Jesus Christ. We thank you and we love you, Lord. Bless now the preaching of thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. I said something about this, I believe, the other night, but if you were to come by my house and, and ring the doorbell, and I come to the door... And you were standing there and I could smell alcohol, liquor on you and you was swaying around and you was acting drunk and you had maybe uh, liquor in your hand. You're not coming in my house. You're not coming in my house. If I had invited you over and, you, and you're in my house and you begin to curse and to cuss, if you didn't stop when I told you to stop, there's going to be a conflict and you're going to be leaving. If you come to my house and I see that you've got drugs or I smell the, the marijuana or something upon you, you're not coming in my house. You say, well, preacher, that's pretty narrow. Well, you see my house, you knew what you want to at your house, but in my house, we have some rules. We have some guidelines. And I'm just using these as examples. There's other guidelines and different things uh, in our house, but... Uh, to come into the house and to be in the house, there's some guidelines you got to go by. I'm not, I'm not ruling your house, and I'm not telling you how to, to operate your house necessarily, but I'm telling you that when you come to my house, there's a set of guidelines that you're going to have to follow. And I don't think that that's wrong. Uh, after all, uh, I pay the rent. I pay the utilities. Uh, my wife cleans the house and cooks the meals. And it's our home. And so, therefore, we have the right to set down the, the guidelines or the rules for that house. It's our house. And, you know, I, I, you know the reason is, is, like I said, you know, there's guidelines that we, set, we, that we set aside. We all, for the most part, agree with that. I think probably everybody in here say, you know, we have some guidelines for our house and certain things are not going to be done in our home. Whether it be our children, we set down guidelines for our children. You know, uh, it's like this. You could say, you know, a child could come into their dad and they might say, well, dad, I just don't agree with you on that. And they could get into an argument and, and, that, and that, son, that boy could say, hey, well, I'm going up to my room. And dad could say, oh, wait a minute. 
uh, that's not your room. Yeah, it is. All my clothes are up there. Well, to be honest with you, those clothes aren't yours either. I bought them. I pay the rent. I pay the utilities. I pay the insurance. And you're in my house. Well, I'm going up to, my, I'm going up to the room. No, you're not. You stay right here. And that could be a set of guidelines that could be followed there. Why? Because... In true reality, it's not that child's house. He's not paying the rent. Dad's providing that. That is the blessings of following the guidelines in that home. Being able to come into somebody's house and sit down at a table and, and eat the meal, and enjoy the meal, enjoy the fellowship, and then enjoy what they provide for you there, that's the blessings, that's the that's the, by following the guidelines of coming into that home, you get the blessings. And I think that we would all uh, agree, you know, that, that those principles would fall in, into any of our homes and everything. But, you know, somewhere along the line, we've forgotten these principles as they relate to God. See, I don't understand. Well, you see, God has a house. God has a house. I'm not referring necessarily to this building, though you could include this building. I'm not referring to outside the building, but you could include that. I am referring somewhat to us. I'm speaking of His kingdom, which includes me and you if you're saved. The psalmist said in Psalms 24, in verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Can I tell you that his house, he, it's all of it. This is his. You walk out those doors, it's his. It's all his. By the way, you know, uh, you're his too, if you're saved. God calls his creation his abode, and because it's his abode, he gets to run it the way he wants he makes the rules. Okay, he makes the rules. If you want to make the rules, you know what you got to do? You got to make your own world. Oh, well, I'll preach here. No, let's, let's just get down to where it's really at. People have forgotten this. Uh, it's just very similar to what's going on right now in, in this nation. There's a bunch of people sitting in Washington that have forgotten that this is our nation and that we're citizens of this nation and this nation belongs to us. I'm not, I'm not going to preach on all that stuff tonight, but the fact is, is that we have, let's take it a little farther. As a Christian... You see, his abode is also in that born-again Christian's life. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit which are God's. And so we belong to him. He has the right to set down the rules in that temple. He has the right to... Set down the guidelines for your life and for my life. He owns it all. He dwells within us. He owns us. Therefore, he has that right to set down the rules. 
Now, He's chosen to rule through humanity, to be honest with you. He's, he's done that by entrusting us with the responsibility of stewardship, of taking care of what He owns and what belongs to Him. Okay? He's using stewardship. You're responsible for some things. You're responsible. Or you might say we're managing His home. We're taking care of it. supposed to be taking care of it. Basically, it involves our alignment under the rules, ruleship of God. He, that the rules that He's given us, us he's, he's given each of us certain responsibilities, things that we're responsible for. This was decreed to you, you and I and every man. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And the Lord laid it down. You find there in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He gave, would you agree with me that he owned the garden of Eden? Would you agree that he owns this earth? Would you agree that, this is, that, that he should have rule over it? But he took that and he said, I'm going to put it into humanity and I'm going to let them rule over it for me. They're going to manage it for me. So he puts them in the garden and they are to take care of it. They were to dress it. Otherwise, take care of it. Meet the needs that was there and, and guide things and, and watch over it and, and do what he wanted them to do. In Psalms 8, chapter 4, or chapter 8 and verse 4 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. But in verse 6 says, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. These are the works of God's hands. All that he's created is the works of his hands. He said, okay, but I'm going to give you dominion. I'm, you're going to be a steward for me. You're going to take care of it. You're going to manage for it. He says, Thou hast put all things under his feet. Talking about man. Otherwise, he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass off these responsibilities to you. This is your responsibility. You take care of this. Now, I still own it. Here's the guidelines, but you take care of it. He's put that dominion under our feet. We, have, have the, we are to be stewards of his home. We're to be stewards of what he owns. He's the king. Well, the psalmist also said in Psalms 115, 16, he said, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. And what he's saying, I'm giving this to you to take care of it. You are my representative. You are my stewards. You are my ambassadors. You are the ones to take care of this. Now, I'm going to give you a set of rules. I'm going to give you a guidance. And most of us are sitting here tonight with one in our hands. The guide to taking care of his house, taking care of his domain. But you see, Adam fumbled the ball. He fumbled the ball. He was like uh, some of those patriots or some, you know, <laughs> now what are they, uh, Miami. No, <laughs> I got to pick on, pick on him a little bit. But anyway, we, he said, you know, you look at what happened. Adam fumbled the ball. He said, I want you to take care of this. But Adam fumbled the ball by yielding to sin, doing what he wanted to do instead of what God told him to do. He didn't follow the rules, did he? He didn't follow the guidelines. You see, sin entered, he allowed sin to enter the world through his disobedience that turned 
the management of everything over to the devil. And Satan steps in because of sin. And because of that, he ushered in chaos and disorder and corruption and pain. Man began to die. Man was put out of the garden. Man no longer could dress the garden. Man could no longer have the rule over things. Man could no longer have that dominion that he was supposed to have. He was no longer that steward that he was supposed to be to God. Why? Because he disobeyed and he broke the rules. He broke the guidelines and so he was put out of the garden. Satan steps in and management begins to take over. He creates chaos because he hates God. But to reinstate humanity's rule, God had to provide another Adam. Because that first Adam failed. We find over in 1 Corinthians 15, says, verse 45 says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit it was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterwards, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the, is the Lord from heaven. You see, that second Adam was Jesus Christ. He's the one that came in to reinstate that dominion, to reinstate man's humanity, to be able to, to, to have the presence of God and to walk with God again and to have God's hand upon his life and upon his dwelling and upon all that he did. Jesus came. He wasn't the first Adam. The first Adam sinned. The second Adam was not of this earth. He was God himself. You see, others spoke of Jesus being a king when he came into this world. We just... You know, come out of Christmas, and and uh, we're we're so familiar with the story of the of the three. Uh, we call them the three wise men. We don't know how many wise men there was. The wise men that came seeking him. In Matthew chapter two and verse two says, saying, "Where is he that is born King of the Jews, King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him." And so the wise men come, and they begin to speak of this King. The king that came into the world, this second Adam. And he's the ruler, they're saying, of all, all things. They made the proclamation that he's the king. John the Baptist announced the king's arrival, speaking actually of the ruler of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he's speaking of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, he's talking about the one that is to rule in all things. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Kingdom of heaven's at hand. Jesus himself said the same thing, speaking of himself in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I'm right here with you. And with me is the kingdom of heaven. And so he begins to relay that message to them that He is the King. And His disciples went out also and proclaimed the same message of the, of, the, of the kings coming into the world. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 7, says, And as you go, Jesus is speaking to us, and as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The King had come to, as prophesied, and His name was Jesus. You see, as we look through the Scripture, we find that Jesus was not just a babe that was born and, and laid in the manger, but He was the King and is the King of all creation, the King of glory. Zechariah, as we read 
spoke of him and how that he would come into this world and that he would be called king. He said, the king comes. Speaking of him being the king, the kingship. But we have forgot that the king owns all things. We have forgotten we begin to live our lives as Christians without any respect to the king. We've come to a place in this country where where we have put more emphasis upon politics and policies than we have upon King Jesus. In our homes, we have have put more emphasis upon materialism and, and money and things instead of upon King Jesus. We need to get back and realize that He's King of all. And there's a set of rules, there's a set of guidelines that He has set down for you and I. You see... We're to submit to the king's rule. And that's where the rub begins to come in. We acknowledge that he's the king. Scripture tells us it was prophesied. Our Heavenly Father says that he's king. But we're to submit to that king and to his rule. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, the very first part of that that verse there says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. It's talking about submitting. Submitting. This king I speak of is not some ungodly, wicked, earthly king, but the king of glory. The creator of all things, including you and me. If If he created us and if he saved our soul, we belong to him. And we're to fall under his rule. You see, when you begin to think about a king, a king is one that rules. He's the one that has the authority. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When you sit here tonight and you look at your hand, realize that you're here and your hands are here, and and all that you have within your body is was created by Him. When you walk outside, you look up into the sky and you see the stars or you see the clouds or whatever you see. It was created by Him. When you look across the field and you see the trees, you see the cattle, you see whatever you're seeing out there, the lake, the water, it's all been created by Him. He's the King. He's the Creator of all things. Colossians chapter 1 goes on and says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. You never stop and think about the fact that you're breathing right now and you're breathing in air. You don't see the air. But He created the invisible air that you breathe in that keeps you going, the oxygen. You don't see your heart, but it's sitting there pity-patter back and forth and He's the one that created that and, and caused it to work as it does goes on and says, the visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And then he says, all things were created by him. And the next part is what a lot of people turn from. It says, and for him. That's why he's king. They were created for him. We were created for him. You see, a lot of times we're quick to recognize Him as Savior. I don't think anybody in here has any problem saying He's Savior. He's the Savior. I don't think anybody in here has any trouble singing the song Emmanuel or talking about Emmanuel, God with us. 
that He come and He lives and dwells within us. God with us. Most people don't have any problem thinking of Him as the one who, who uh, cleanses us from our sins. As the Lamb of God. We're very quick to focus on the redemptive role as, as to keeping us out of the lake of fire. And I praise the Lord for that. But many times we fail or shy away from Him as King due to the fact that that means they need to submit to His authority in every area of your life. You see, it's good. We, we enjoy talking about the Savior. We enjoy talking about the baby. We enjoy talking about, about the one that went to the cross and died so that we could be saved. We enjoy, you know, that's a blessing, boy, that's great. And, and oh, how he's a healer of, uh, uh, of those who are diseased. And he's a helper of those who are in need. And he, he provides and, and he protects and all that. And, but when it comes down to being king, we don't stop a lot of times and think about him being king. Because as him being king, that means we must bow. We must submit unto his authority. That's why that name king is so important for us to understand. It's not just a title. It's not just something that sounds good. King of kings and Lord of lords. No, it has meaning. It means that he has all authority. That's why you're not going to die until he's ready for you to die. And you're not going to live any longer than what he's going to let you live. Because he has all authority. He has all power. He's the ruler of the universe. Many times what we don't stop and realize is that we go through our lives and we never stop and realize that He is King and that I am to submit unto Him. You see, when we fail to make Him King, we miss out on much of what Jesus, uh, His power in, in our daily lives. That's why we've got to understand who He is. That's why there's the titles. That's why there's the names to give us an understanding of who He is and what He can do and what He wants to do. The power shows up in the names we get to know and, and align ourselves under such as King and Lord and, and Great High Priest. Whether or not you recognize Him as King in your life, He's still on the throne and He's still King. Whether you submit to Him or not, He is still King. And one day you will submit and one day you will bow before Him as He is King of kings and Lord of lords and He is on that throne and He becomes our judge. He's King. But when you don't recognize Him as King, you lose out on the benefits of the King. Handling your great needs as ruler of the universe. You see, it'd be like this. If I needed a police officer and say I didn't know that Sam was a police officer. If I didn't know that he was Officer Gibson. Or I didn't recognize him. Maybe I heard that he's an officer, but I don't. Nah, he don't look like a police officer. 
He's not dressed like a police officer. He's not a police officer. Or, well, he might, ah. If I fail to recognize him as police officer, and I'm in need of a police officer, what he could do for me in the need that I have will not get done. And when we fail to recognize Jesus Christ as King, all power, all authority, creator and ruler of all things everywhere, when we fail to recognize Him as King, we miss out on the benefits that we could have in the areas of our lives when we need the ruler, when we need the king, when we need the one that has all authority in our life. You see, some things will not be taken care of in your life without all authority. There's some things in your life that you're going to face that you're going to need more than what you're able to do. It's going to take somebody who has great power, great authority to accomplish some things in your life. And when you fail to recognize Jesus Christ as king in your life, you're going to miss out on his authority and what he's able to do as he rules all things. So then we must understand our role as we submit to Jesus Christ as king. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is laying out something here for us to have an understanding of what's expected of you and I. Verse 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, now notice what the Scriptures are able to do here, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We know the Word of God. It tells us, it shows us, and it convicts our hearts that we're lost. We need Jesus Christ our Savior. It shows us that He went to the cross. He died in our place and rose again the third day. And because He's alive, we can have eternal life through Him. The Scriptures explains that to us and shows us that. But after that, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is used to direct your life and my life in how we live and how we conduct our lives. That's doctrine. Laid down by God. It says for reproof. Otherwise, when we look at the Word of God, it should, if we're not living the way we should, it will reprove us. It will, it's a guideline. It says you're out of bounds. It's like this when you have, you have a, a ten guys on a basketball court and then you've got two more guys and sometimes three guys. And they, the other three guys wearing striped shirts are called uh, referees. And they got a whistle. And if you're dribbling the ball and you step out of bounds, you're going to hear that whistle blow. And that ref is going to say, out of bounds, the other team's ball. If you go up and you're guarding a guy and he's getting ready to shoot and you go up and, and you're trying to block the ball and you hit him in the head or you hit him in the stomach or hit him, the whistle's going to blow and he's going to go foul. You committed a foul. You broke a rule. If you begin to argue with that, what do you mean I fouled him? There's another rule. It's called a technical and guess what? 
That's a biggie. There's rules in sports. There's guidelines. And the referee blows the whistle and says, you're out of bounds. You see here, it talks about that the, the, the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Otherwise, it says, you're out of bounds. You're not following the guidelines. You're not following the rules. And so the word of God speaks to our hearts. Goes on, says, for correction. And what it's saying is, okay, you're out of bounds. You need to do this. Get back in bounds. Quit fouling, whatever it is. I know as a, I used to ref basketball and volleyball. And sometimes um, they would, I would make a call and they would, what? And I would explain to them, you did this. You did that. You can't do that. And I would explain to them why they couldn't do it. The Word of God gives us correction and explains us why we can't do that. And that we should not be doing those things. And it guides us and directs us. And that goes back to the fact that it's the, it is the guidelines that God gives us. It goes on for instruction in righteousness. Otherwise, how to improve, how to grow closer to God, how to know Him in a greater way. Verse 17 says, that the man of God may be perfect, otherwise mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He's saying, okay, this is my kingdom. I'm the king. Here's the guidelines. This is what I expect in my house. This is what I expect in my kingdom. This is how I expect you as a Christian to live. This is how I expect you to act, to talk, to dress, to walk, to do, and on goes the list. This is, this is, this is, this is the guidelines. Because he says, I'm king. I'm ruler. And if you want help from me and my authority and my power, you got to stay in bounds. You got to follow the guidelines. You got to follow the rules for living for me and doing what I tell you to do because I'm king. You see, I'm laying out something for you that a lot of people don't want to think about. They want to get saved. They want to go to heaven, but they want to do it any old way. They don't want to change their life. They want to go to heaven, but they want to go in an ungodly way. They want to live just like the world and act like the world, talk like the world, do what the world's doing, with no ramifications about it and everything. And the problem is, is that they have, have, stopped, they have not stopped and realized that when they got saved, hey, listen, there's a king stepped into their life that's going to rule. You see, it's our role to understand the rules. God has given us everything that we need to live according to His authority. His living Word and the Holy Spirit eliminates His truth in our, in our minds in such a way that, as to provide direction and guidance for us. We have no excuse when we disobey God. We got it right here. Not only do we have the Word of God, but we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. 
that convicts us, that says, no, don't do that. That's not right. That convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't get to decide what the Lord has already decided. What I mean by that is what's right and what's wrong. What's good and what's evil. Can I tell you, hey, world, and there's a lot of Christians that this would, that this would upset them. Can I tell you something? You and me and nobody else in this world gets to decide anything about gender. God decided that. And He created you in a way with a certain gender. It doesn't matter who tells you you're a different gender. They have no right or authority. Can I tell you something else? We have no right... I don't care what church you're in. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or what. You have no right to, to go against God's word and God's rule and say that's okay for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman. God has already decided that. Can I go a little bit farther? Oh, please don't. And you're not supposed to live together. Without being married. And God decided that. You want me to go on? Oh, preacher. I think you get the message. We have no right to say what's what under the rule of God. He's the one that's decided what's right and what's wrong. He's, decided, he's the one that's decided what's evil and what's good. He's the one that's decided what's acceptable and not acceptable. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's the one that decides what's acceptable. Whether Well, I just don't agree with that. That goes way back into the 20s, preacher. That goes back when, that, 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 that's way back. Wait a minute. God decided from the foundations of the world. Don't try to give me a date when it came into existence. Because you wasn't around and I wasn't around. But this word has always been around. In heaven, it was settled Long before anything else was ever settled. And he is king. He is ruler. And he gets to choose what he wants. We belong to him. So he says what's, what's right and what's wrong. And could I say that God has spoken? And he didn't stutter. And he made it very clear. You see, far too many people get saved... They approach the kingdom of God with their own thinking and with their own rules. We have churches now that go directly contrary to the word of God concerning liquor. Oh, it's okay. Uh, you know, just as long as you don't drink in excess. Uh, I think you better get in the Bible. You're not supposed to be drinking any liquor. Well, you know, I think that's misinterpreted. And, and I, why don't you get in the Bible and why don't you trust God? Just because you want to drink, just because you want to live a loose lifestyle, 
Don't drag God into it and say that God's word said something different than what's said. But we got churches and we got Christians today who the whole deal is this. They're trying to change. They, want, they, they got saved. They, they're on their way to heaven. But now they want to change what God has already decided in His guidelines. He's king. He gets to decide. But now they're going to tell Him this is okay. It don't work that way. How do you know, preacher? What did I say his name was? He is king. He's all authority. And you're not going to tell him that he's wrong. Oh, you might tell him, but you're not going anywhere with it. There's going to be a conflict when you do. When you go by your own rules and try to set up your own ways instead of by the word of God and and in his kingdom, there's going to be a conflict because it's not your house anymore. You see, you have a new ruler. When you accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you obligated yourself to one who is called King Jesus. Amen. And he becomes ruler in your life. Now, I understand. You don't have to, to acknowledge him as king. You don't have to look to him as the king and the ruler of your life. You don't have to. But don't expect him to come in his power as king and bail you out. And bail you out. You see, you're to follow him and what he says, not what the crowd says. What matters is what the king says because he rules and he's your authority. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, Seek the kingdom of God. Otherwise, seek His direction. Seek His righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek His, not ours. A lot of Christians are missing out on the things that God wants to do in their lives, do in their hearts, do in their relationships, do in their finances, do with their jobs, their circumstances. But because they refuse to, they, put, they fail to put him first and to make him king in their lives. You see, we need to allow him to overrule our flesh. When you got saved, your flesh didn't get saved. So there's a battle. And so what you have to do, you have to submit to the king. And he will overrule the flesh. And he'll set you free. What many fail to understand is that Jesus is king and he's our ruler. He's the final authority and he calls the shots. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Think about that. He said all power, not some power, not part of the power, not a tad of it, but all of it. And he says, that makes me king. So that makes me king. And so we're to submit to him. You see, with that great power, we need that he has. We need him to defeat our greatest enemy in this life. And that's Satan. Why is it? Stop and think for a moment. 
Why is it that so many professed Christians are fighting battles in their lives and always continually they're losing those battles? They're away from church. They're, they're out of church. They're away from God. They're, they're, I mean, their life is a mess. And I, could, and, and, and I could stand here and I know people I could call them by name that are professed Christians, and some of them's in church, but their life is a mess. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. They won't submit to the one with all the authority to do all that is needed in their life. And that's the king, King Jesus. You see, it's like this. A king has a dominion. And he watches over and he has an army that helps protect them and meets the needs and cares for them. When the enemy attacks those in his dominion, the king has the authority to take an army against them. But if you're willing to not live within the kingdom by the rules, because if you're not going to live by the rules, you're not going to live in that house. So you're outside. And the enemy comes to attack you. It's a choice you've made. And the king is not necessarily going to send the army to protect someone who does not recognize him as king. He's king. And I fear that many times as Christians, we have not submitted ourselves. When Satan attacks, we must be submitted to the king. James 4, 7, let me read that again, but let me read all of it. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Why? It's kind of like this. Come here, Levi. He's standing here, and the big bad guy comes after him. He's coming at him, and he don't know what to do. And then I'm like, He backs off. Why? Because I got a little more power than what he's got. Not a little more. It would be a lot. About eight rounds of it. And guess what? He backs off and he's safe. But if he says, He's not my king. I'm my king. He's open prey. Because he won't submit to the authority. My friend, do you understand that we're no match for Satan? Thank you. Thank you, Levi. We're no match for Satan. We need King Jesus in this battle. But we will only 
have what he wants to give us when we submit to his authority. When we submit to him as king, he's king. That's what you can look around. That's why you got so many people who say they're Christians and live in just any old way. Why, preacher? Because he's not king. He's not king. But you watch the rest of their life. And the enemy is destroying them, eating them alive. What can they do, preacher? Come back and to the authority of the king. Submit. 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 I was counseling one time years ago. I'm closing. And there was this young person that lived, parents, And I was talking to him. He said, well, I don't want to do what they're doing. Uh, they, they, got, they, they don't want me doing this. They don't want me doing that. They, you know, I, and I looked at him and said, it's their house. You want all the benefits. But you don't want to submit to the authority. Can I tell you, folks, we want all the benefits. But maybe we're not submitting to the authority of Jesus as king, ruler of our lives. That doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. That means that you're going to get out of bounds and he's going to blow the whistle. And you wake up. And he brings you along and he helps you with doctrine, reproof, and strengthens you. But there comes a time that you're going to need him as king. As king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you that we have a king, King Jesus. Lord, may we make him Jesus as king, not just Savior. Lord, I pray that you work in our hearts, help us to realize that he's king. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?